Podcast that talks to different people from around the world about their unique beliefs, ideas, and worldviews. And I hope that in this little way, we can create a better world amidst our differences. Martin Wright. He is from Manchester, England. He is 31 years old and he has a business in construction. And I believe that uh, he has a lot to say about existential philosophy and uh, a lot of topics that w- w- a, lo- other, a lot of people around the world would hold sensitive. And would, I think it's important that we have insight from different individuals around the world. So Martin, uh, I want to ask you this question and you can introduce yourself b- uh, before that. Um, do you think we can give life meaning? Interesting question. Nice to meet everybody. I'm Martin, as I already explained. Um, that's a really obviously big and bold and wide question. I think um, it actually almost requires a starting point of a presumption that it's something that life would already be void of meaning until given meaning. Do you know what I mean? That means almost like the, the responsibility to create meaning is on the individual living do you understand what i mean you could come from the perspective that meaning already exists and some people are just unaware of the meaning or some people choose to believe there isn't one or some people have um what you know people could decide they believe in a meaning but there's no way to know whether that is truly the meaning but um you know the the presupposition is that is that like it's our we have the ability or responsibility to create that meaning, do you know what I mean? Almost as if it's a tangible thing. I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure if meaning is such a tangible thing as people like to try and, you know, present it to be. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, where do you stand on that point? Do you think life has an inherent meaning directed for by some divine force or being? Or do you think that we are simply uh, alone here and we, it's up to us to find our own meaning? I think it's interesting how we we're obviously born into this world and some people take a path of a, a realization and awareness where, you know, some people quite happily just get on with it, get a job, nine to five, have a family, don't think too deeply, don't uh, take too much time to consider what meaning is. And other people um, struggle and find great frustration in trying to understand what their personal meaning is or if there is even a meaning to life or existence or the universe in the first place. But um I just think it's interesting why we assume there even should be or there would need to be. Like, what basis, what else, like, what other comparison have we got to weigh against that me- that makes us think that there would be a meaning or there requires a meaning for anything? Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, uh, sort of an evolutionarily attained um, characteristic by which we humans find uh, abstract uh uh, objects and give them some sort of an uh, understanding in our own uh, mind that's why we we're able mm. to communicate yeah it's almost like we feel we feel we need to personify the physical world because it's the limit of in which we're able to exercise thought like we are restricted by our own like um you know we, we it's it's almost like the reason we think we're so intelligent is because we realize how stupid we are to get what I mean. It's like almost we, we, we roll with the assumption that we're an intelligent species, but compared to what, do you know what I mean? It's like, if you think about um, a 
a lot of, a lot of the reasons and central functions of humanity even in in the advanced civilizations most of it resolve revolves around something quite primitive do you know what i mean outside of discussions such as these it's quite basic and mechanical functions of society do you know what i mean it's like it's more an advanced complicated version of what we was probably doing thousands of years ago in other societies do you know what i mean so yeah but um mm. I guess that we would have no way to com- to compare ourselves in a world where, where there is God inclusive universe and God exclusive, but we are able to compare actually with the traditional belief systems by which, for example, Christianity or Buddhism, where there is already a, an accepted divine uh, a movement in our human society, mm. and so. Uh, when com- when compared to the modern uh, ideas and beliefs that, for example, existentialism or even nihilism, we are we we compare those and we find that there is a a, a hole in a and in a socially constructed belief system that we think we should fill a gap in, right? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, when it comes to this topic, a lot of philosophers, um, you know, don't necessarily take a great deal of interest in, uh, in religion and theism and things like that. Um, but personally, I think it affects greatly the starting point, you know, where you start off with a question will affect where you end up. And if you do believe there is an ultimate authority, like you said, if you're perhaps Christian, um, that worldview depends on the fact that, you know, whether you kind of like um, a new age Christian who does believe in evolution and things like that you can make allowances for these details but ultimately if you if you are a believer of a ultimate authority you believe that um the existing the uh, your existence is on for the purpose of of god it requires no further investigation do you know what i mean so it's like if you believe there is already an ultimate authority well above what the conscious mind of man will ever be able to even come up with an idea for then it's like it kind of for one removes the responsibility of man to even try and two, it's if somebody doesn't have that um, worldview that there's an ultimate authority, the starting point in their discussion of what is truly valuable, a little bit like you said about nihilism, for example, it's like without that, um, you know, it could be like you said uh, earlier, you asked about can we apply meaning to life or give meaning to life? Some people will, will spend time trying to apply meaning to life and some people believe they are already presented with meaning at the beginning of their life. But um, what you find now is a lot of people say who are absent of faith find it hard to, uh, you know, find meaning and can struggle and I've, i think i've probably experienced it time in my life where you know upon realizing the, the vastness of the universe it can it can seem without a faith in, in a god that it's almost mechanical and and um, void of any meaning or or anything like that but at the same time it's like um you mentioned buddhism as well some of the you know more like uh, other eastern religions it's like more about almost the awareness of the vibrational state of the universe and it's like for some reason, like I said, the starting point, it's like we almost feel compelled that we need to, we need to have like, um, like, you know, the people that can't necessarily agree on it, but what if, if you are, for example, an atheist or a nihilist, there's no restrictions on what you can present to be a possibility. Whereas if, if you are a Christian, for example, you already believe that there is a set solid meaning. So this, this goes back to, um, whether you know people coming together to understand each other's worldviews but if one person has no restrictions to the endless infinite possibilities of how things came about but another person has been given firm fixed reasoning for why they exist then it's it's hard to kind of to bring 
bring those together to make an allowance for each other's worldviews, if that makes sense. Yeah, but um, the thing about uh, the the socially uh, constructed belief systems we have today is, for example, that I I think there is an an ignorance bliss occurring even with those who have modern belief systems. For example, uh, ev- to a, an ex- existentialist, well, he, he would claim that he can create meaning uh, in his own life. For example, he can find value, the value of uh, love in his children or his, in his family. But then uh, if, you, if he claims to, uh, to create a, a value and... Uh, but by what realm would it, this be ha- have been created other than being simply socially constructed or or in a, or in, a, the, in, a, in, a view, in the view of a hard determinist simply the products of of chemicals in his brain rewarding him for uh, uh, for continuing his own species and so uh, what what difference would that make for for a, for a Christian? To pre- to claim that he is experiencing supernatural experiences in the love f- of Jesus Christ and his own salvation, for ex- because uh, they, they they cannot be uh, expressed with with, uh, with primary epistemic evidence that can be fully proven. Therefore, uh, only the experience of subjective individuals. Is their is their own basis of their own morality. Therefore, I I, I think that even existentialists or absurdists who claim to create meaning in the universe are are still living in the same bubble of bliss that traditional belief systems have had. Hmm. When you say socially constructed, do you, are you referring to like the modern atheistic worldviews or the societal religion? Mm-hmm. You know, like, because obviously, organized religion stemmed from what was I essentially. Think all, I think all 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 belief systems, whether it is uh, modern or a traditional, is socially constructed. Even the idea, even these modern ideas, who have uh, have evolved, who have reached a peak where have a feat that no uh, ideology in the past has has reached. I think they're still socially constructed because, um, for whatever reason, uh, whatever whatever belief you have, for example, you hold you hold you you love your family or you love your own life. You you have joy in your work. You find joy in charity and services. Those are still socially constructed values and could easily be uh, uh, converted or transformed if you had a different environment. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like um, what I feel, I feel like you're referring to as a social construct. It's a little bit like we have, like you referred to about, say, the chemical uh, reward si- signals that we have in our brain to to confirm that we are doing what's necessary for our survival of our of ourself, our our immediate kin, or in the long term, our species. But um, I feel like now, um, you know, whichever uh, way you want to look at it, I like the story of. Adam and Eve in, in a more of a metaphorical sense as an analogy as opposed to a literal sense but like you know we was given the natural world and it wasn't enough for us and we sought our knowledge and we tried to you know advance our understanding but to what avail it's almost like it's put us um, further from love and further from joy and things like that uh, because it's like um, 
you know, the greed of man has, has found opportunity in exploiting these chemical reward signals. Like at once upon a time, it would be quite sufficient to have um, a roof and some clothes for your family. And that would probably probably be the extent, like worldly speaking, in which you would uh, waste your time and energy gathering material items and uh, surroundings. But like now that's been exploited and um, people use those same desires that we have to acquire food and shelter. And because now we have been uh, food and shelter in at least a lot of the Western world and um, is quite, um, you know, when I look outside where I live, there is obviously issues of homelessness, but the, the typical person has uh, food and clothes and a home. Yet, obviously, the people who want to exploit um, the system, if you like, have built a system in which means that uh, what we used to hunger for food, now we hunger for uh, luxury or convenience do you know what I mean so I think they're using the same signals that we would naturally have required to survive but now they've be, uh, built these systems to use those same systems and signals but for the wrong what I would believe is the wrong reasons do you know what I mean yeah but so uh, um, that's I'm, one thing. I'm interested in how you view the stories in the bible metaphoric or in a, a meta a metaphorical or archetypal uh, narratives by which uh, symbolize uh, uh, story or myths or mythos or stories that uh, resonate to the human history or experience because for example um, when you say Adam and Eve uh, for example ate the apple uh, would you view it as uh, the emergence of human consciousness from simply a very intelligent primate to something more something that can actually mm. Well, I think um, like like I was trying to illustrate before, we we, we perceive and uh, honor ourselves with the title of intelligent. It's like by what standard, by what means of measurement, like how do we assess or assume we are intelligent? I think the, from my observations, like I said before, like conversations such as this, or topics like such as philosophy and existentialism, like the knocking on knocking on a door that's on a plane above where we live, but we're not quite getting in that door. We're just almost aware of it does that make sense we're not really we don't actually reveal like you said about the subjectivity uh, the subjectivity of everyone's experience of how they apply meaning and find a purpose or some people never do but the point is it is limited to each personal experience but it's like let me talk about um the tangibility of things it's like say some things we, we accept as real and true even if we can't measure them and touch them say for example if like um love or honor or or you know truth like these things that the effects and influence people's daily decisions, um, but we can't touch them. So there's some things that, even though it's subject subjective and like in the, if you want to be like purely objective and trying to understand the world in a, in a purely physical way, it's almost like it's definitely something I do try to do. But it's almost like you know you're overlooking the amount of reality involved with the non tangible parts of our understanding. You know I mean? Yeah, but uh, there th that's where I uh, set the line on the bliss because uh, what what you say is non tangible cannot be proven, and no matter uh, no matter how much we try to comprehend or try to believe that there is something non tangible such as uh, love or justice or truth, um, if you have a deep already have a deep understanding of the inner workings of a system, for example, uh, how we humans have evolved from sim uh, primates or simply mammals to who we are today. For example, um, if you had a wife who was a robot, 
like she was she's purely mecha- mechanical and uh, how however she was programmed was simply a product of natural phenomena there was no 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 uh no intelligent design whatsoever who actually determined what she would decide and um whatever act whatever behavior she would show she might show you that she loves you that she might show that she's happy being with you but knowing that she is simply uh, obeying the laws of mecha- of the universe and uh, uh, obeying the uh, the ca- causality of something that resulted from the Big Bang, for example, in a very lo- long p- period of time, uh, how would would you still find something non tangible in that in that scenario? Hmm, it's an interesting question because obviously in um basically one one thing i think you're illustrating is that's kind of what humans are we are just um, mechanical machines that um you know whether you believe god clicks his fingers and just put our existence into the universe or whether it was a pure uh recurrence of you know uh atoms interacting over the course of the universe like and eventually biological life came about um either way it's outside of what you're saying obviously i'm talking about the non-tangible like you know you could refer to the soul outside of the soul or your people's subjective belief in the soul, humans or any biological creature are just quite a mechanical sequence that only allows to exist because like evolution takes the path of least resistance. It only is because it could it because it can be. That's the only way it can be, if that makes sense. If it wasn't like that, it wouldn't have been in the first place. So um I think in in one world, if we don't allow for the non-tangible subjectivity of our experience, it's like how you're referring to this robot is how you would also feel to a normal human do you know what i mean yeah but uh that, that's the that's my point is that uh, we continue to live in this bliss that there still exi- exists there has to exist a non-tangible uh uh and uh, entity or material uh, lurking in the physical universe because we we still have the have the these socially constructed beliefs that in order to be a good person you need to look someone with human dignity you have to see them as or be be love a loving person a kind person but those are essentially socially constructed and uh, evolved from a uh, cultural or social uh, revolutions in in our civilizations and so with with a deep understanding of the inner workings why do you have to find a non-tangible essence in any in any scenario i think it's not so much necessarily that you have to find it's just that almost we are we all act and make decisions based on things that we don't consider tangible say for example like um up until this meeting started i'd never say heard your voice i still made a decision with the reasonable reasonable rationale that even though I haven't measured or heard or you are, you was not tangibly present until obviously even to this extent, I can, I can hear you over a computer, but we, we make allowances with what we consider to be reasonable decisions based on things that we are not even certain of the existence of. Do you know what I mean? Say for example, if I say I'm going to go and get a train until I actually get on that train, the concept the notion is, is a matter of faith. I believe there is a train until I get there. Do you know what I mean? So it's like we do, we make decisions on non-tangible things all the time. It's just that usually we are, we have the opportunity to prove that they are tangible eventually. But say, for example, I've never, I've never been to Egypt, for example. So it's like almost in the same way, you know, you could say this thing isn't tangible to me, at least I, 
you know, it's never been proven to me that these uh, pyramids are tangible, but I will still quite happily carry on with my life uh, with the belief that they are. Do you know what I mean? Because something you can, uh, we don't have the capacity to test everything. Do you know what I mean? Or you could, you could make it your business to go about trying to test things and see it with your own eyes. But, um, you know, I think, I think speaking reasonably, we all kind of allow um, a certain level of intuition and assumption um, because without it, you know, if you start pulling, pulling apart everything that you think you believe, you realize, you know, you, you, I imagine you see in the film matrix, you know, the matrix, it's like, it's quite, it's all just what's in front of your eyes and your hands and the rest of it, you kind of take people's word for it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there, there are th two things I have to respond to that. First is that number one is that, uh, what you say is that we humans constantly have acts of little faith, 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 or acts of faith in our own lives and that is why what you might call intuition or assumptions by which uh, we have to uh, constantly decide and so uh, uh, in a sense that that would actually qualify what uh, what the any position that theists or or uh, religious uh, organizations do but in a more macro logical sense where uh, they uh, they actually already uh, made sense of this non-tangible universe but in with more uh, deeper and more or bigger assumptions as any as would normal or modern day individuals do with a knowledge of the inner workings of the uh, or the biology of mankind number two is that uh, for example there we it's not that there is no faith, but that we give it the benefit of the doubt that there there is actually a non tangible realm by which we are simply we simply cannot uh, prove with empirical evidence. And so, uh, for example, there would actually be some form of objective morality or some form of of, of objective truth or a realm of where love and world of forms by which plato would call uh, yeah the world world of forms that that uh, we we would actually give those uh, the benefit of the doubt so that we could continue living as normal human human beings who were formed with the uh, eventually with these social constructs mm. yeah i think um it's 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 more like it like you said these little faiths or benefit of the doubt it's like because ultimately there's certain things that we cannot practically continue with our lives without applying a small amount of faith but like you say i'm i mean i've got the impression you meant a bit like say in the religious setting it takes a bigger jump of faith in a less practical sense it's not necessary for you to, uh, like it's entirely within the subjective non-tangible realm like if you take this leap of faith you know say for example i refer to catching the train that's like something that is non-tangible until it becomes tangible do you know what i mean so i'm making a decision based on the faith that will affect my physical life whereas uh, if it's to do with faith then ultimately and unless there is a god that will you'll meet when you die you actually never be able to prove or test or there's no means of testing um but at the same time, it's got you. There's different levels of saying when it comes to science. Um, people obviously have almost kind of idolized science in a way. It's like because um, science really is about consistency. Um, you know, you do an experiment 20 times and and you get the average result. You know, there's no even I don't know if you've ever learned or heard about, um, say, for example, a kilogram. Um, there is no one kilogram. 
it's all relative to you know we, we take these measurements as, as as empirical and factual as if the most truest and uh, objective things there are but if, if if you actually do the research things like a kilogram because the gravity is so relative and it changes depending where you are in the world and where the universe where the world is in the universe if you like um there's actually there's actually an uncertain measurement that's almost like an average that we take that we saw you know there's the couple of spheres i think i remember watching a video about this couple of spheres at different points in the world that like the cross-reference to keep you know to get the idea of what a kilogram is so basically what i'm saying is like people use science as, in, as a truism but science is also at times a quite subjective changing means of assessing things does that make sense so it kind of it kind of basically what i mean is like i don't think there is any one way to be truly objective about things which you know if it's either if it, you know, there's no way to know it. So that also kind of, um, you know, lessens people. There's a lot of like atheistic uh, worldviews that kind of beat you over the head, like faith is faith is ignorant, which, you know, I'm not going to state my opinion on that, but, you know, everyone's got faith is what I'm saying. You can, you, we have even have faith in our mechanical systems that are based on measurements, numbers and weights, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then um, it would seem that you're simply... Uh, uh, putting a, a blindfold on one eye and opening the other eye so that uh, even with a deep understanding of the, mecha the mechanisms of the physical universe that there would there would actually is no actually pr actual proof of any non-tangible material then but still in order to act as a normal human being and to continue living as you would you would have to uh, have uh, another eye closed and uh act on this these uh sm small st steps of faith for like intuition or the assumptions yeah it's an in it's an interesting way of putting it yeah it's almost like i wouldn't necessarily to assume i know what the best balance is but i think speaking realistically most people kind of operate on on both of those you know like they kind of like to take things in a literal objective sense even subconsciously perhaps but uh, we also make decisions and follow our feelings on non-tangible non things that we can't justify or explain scientifically. It's like some of the, I mean, I don't know what level you, uh, you're aware of things. There's a, there's a theory or an experiment done based on a theory called double slit theory. Have you heard of that? It's um, it's to do with quantum mechanics. And uh, I mean, I wouldn't care to try and explain every detail now, but uh, the findings of this experiment anyway, which you can uh, Google or check it out on YouTube, it's quite, uh, quite mind-blowing. It's like one of the deeper sciences. It's like what it kind of is where the level where spirituality and, uh, physical science kind of like come at a bit of a, you know, a bit of a head to head because the, the experiment proves almost or gives evidence to suggest that uh, the universe actually does respond to our subjective awareness of it. And that's not just like a new age uh, hippie on NASA trip. To, that's like scientists, do you know what I mean? That they're the ones that have come to that conclusion and it almost synchronizes with some of these more, you know, like um, uh, say somebody, the ancient religions that have been talking and thinking about uh, vibration and uh, the physical world and how our, 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 our you know our awareness and consciousness relates to it and almost you know interlinks or creates or which one created which is the universe in our mind or is our mind in the universe but i just found it really interesting that like when uh, when they did this experiment the double slit theory kind of like enforces that idea that um the universe is just uh consists uh, entirely of waves of potentials until it has to fall into a way you know until it is forced to conceptualize in your mind do you know what i mean and I just found like uh, when you come to that, uh, even e even when the deep, one of the deeper sciences is coming to that conclusion as well, I find it really hard to be certain of anything. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then it 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 is a constant fact that uh, whatever science we know today might actually be disproven in the future, and so it's it's a good uh, uh attitude or approach to understanding the truth of the universe is to uh, hold a certain uh uh uh, uh to, to keep an open mind that it might actually be wrong and might be disproven in the future because. Uh, it, it happens constantly in the scientific uh, in the world. But then um, uh, I would say about the the hum- hu- humanity as, for example, going back to it being an emer- 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 having an emergence from simply being intelligent primates is that uh, now that we have reached a sort of of balance between actually prob- might probably having act- an actual free will is the complexity of uh, the our front of our brain where uh there uh, there's there might actually be a buffer when it comes to quantum physics that occur in the in the in the quantum realm in I, i'm not actually uh uh i don't have actually have any idea of, about this but what i'm saying is that humanity is such a new thing in the universe and that we actually do not know who we are yet and so our potential, whatever our potential and uh, nature is simply unknown to us. And, and we are simply trying to grasp who we are in terms of uh, these uh, non-tangible ideas because it might actually be a part of who we are or what we are capable of. Mm. Yeah, and I think um, this is why we was on the starting point before talking about um, how obviously things like these discussions are a great way to try and get people to understand like the complexities and differences between every human and that uh, it would be awesome if we could just allow for each other's existence. But um, I think what I was trying to portray before when I was saying about if somebody comes with a starting point where they believe there is an ultimate authority outside the realm of contemplation or science or study, if they believe there's already founded uh, conscious authority that's beyond and above what we could ever comprehend. It's like they they will, uh, obviously, practically speaking, they will live their lives based on the influence of that. And if, say, for example, what you're talking about, um, the discovery about the amount of time humans have been present in the universe, or at least what which we believe or understand according to study, um, relatively small amount of time. And um, like I said before, I feel like we, we give ourselves a title of intelligence, but by what measure? So in, in millions of years, it's possible. This is like, you know, out, like a lot of, say, for example, Christians wouldn't believe this because they think judgment day is knocking soon. So they wouldn't necessarily support or endeavor upon a world where you can envisage perhaps that this state of our species is relatively low. You know, say, for example, when we get a sample from millions of years ago of early life forms and we think, oh, wow, yeah, this is a really simple life form. But in millions of years time, somebody could be saying and thinking that about humans. Do you know what I mean? So it could be that like a the reason we struggle with the um, our identity is because we have recently discovered critical awareness of our own existence relatively recently considering the type the potential timeline of our existence in the universe so it's like we we are aware of what intelligence is but we just are so caught up in uh, conflict with each other because some people for example if you if your worldview is that god is going to come and judge us quite soon which is, is a lot of people's worldview you don't see the significance or importance of uh, thinking in the long term of sustainability survival of our species do you know what i mean you think it's coming to an inevitable end therefore 
there is no purpose in investing in or even considering that perhaps we are at early stage in our evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean? um, I, I love how you mentioned that because, for example, uh, one uh, one philosopher who actually had a great impact on my life is, for example, a German, the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. And he wrote about, uh, the, the, in his book, The Dust Spoke Zarathustra, about uh, how uh, mankind is simply a rope from towards the ubermensch or the superman or where and and whoever we are today is simply uh an attempt towards uh the 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 new or the most the more advanced civilization or form of mankind as you say that um uh it that it, in our view, the ape man, the apes, uh, were uh, earlier life forms, and that would that was what that would be how the the Superman would or the Ubermensch would view as us as a simply an attempt towards a better human being. And the 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 most uh, essential thing about the Oberman is that you have the will to power, or that means that you're you're able to create your own values because of who you are because currently we as humans we are we aren't able to to act to logically uh formulate out of our own inherent nature because we 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 still have a lot to uh, develop or reach but uh we we, uh, that is why billions of humans still need to cling to a divine uh, creator or entity to actually uh, develop any sense of meaning or purpose in their lives, other than the the new, the new trend or their new movement of existentialism, where uh, sourcing from atheists or agnostics who tend to find meaning and develop their own meaning in their own lives. But but still, uh, I would say that even the 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 smartest atheist here is still living under. A certain bliss that we talked about earlier, where they still constantly live with step, uh, small steps in their daily lives. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, people find what they seek for as well. So, hence why I mentioned the starting point a couple of times. If two people are on a similar path but start at a different place, um, going to end up at a different place. So it's like if an atheist obviously wants to enforce their worldview, they'll find reasons to do so, as would a Christian, for example. Um, and this is why I find it really difficult to be objective about these topics, but there's a certain way of testing. And uh, it's almost like um, f- for a philosopher, not every, not in every case, but a lot of the times it's like the chief is reason. Do you know what I mean? It's like that's almost the authority. If, if, if you can play it out logically and it doesn't contradict, then it's got a higher chance of being true. So you can apply that way of thinking to or like what you, know, you could call social constructs or you could say um, you know, traditional religions. And if they don't pass the test, then that's obviously where logically you would start ruling certain factors out. And that's why I think, like you said, the rise of existentialism and atheism kind of come hand in hand because people have applied those ways of thinking critically outside of, say, even 100 years ago, 200 years ago. You probably frowned upon in certain cultures from where I'm from anyway, um, you know, for, for talking about God not being real, for example. People have been burnt at stakes or less. Do you know what I mean? So it's like that freedom of thought and critical thinking is... It's a relative, relatively new privilege in a lot of societies. So I think that's one of the reasons uh, there's been a drastic change. But and, and I and imagine that's why you came with the question earlier on about can we uh, give life meaning 
or, or however you phrased it. And um, as I said, I don't necessarily think life requires one. I think it's it's almost just like um, it's a consequence of self-awareness. Um, say, for example, the dog doesn't necessarily need to get existential. It's quite content most of the time, happy, probably more happy than a human in a lot of cases. Hence why I liked the example of uh, Adam and Eve, because we, we used um, our ability to be aware to bombs and you know create cars and all of these things that we consider to be ingenious inventions have actually led to our own demise and destruction so it's like so it's it's um you know is it is it really meaning to intervene with our own awareness do you know what i mean is it not more of a um i know you use the word bliss and um yeah we i think we all find solace in bliss because even you know beyond meditation, what freedom is there from the, the contradictions and confusion of the universe, unless you want to be completely intentionally ignorant to uh, the workings of things, which, you know, I feel like humans probably filter in and out. You know, I, I don't think I can always have my thinking cap on because, you know, when, when, I've, when I was um, late teens, early 20s, it got actually really heavy to live because of how difficult it is to try and reason and rationalize everything. So I think there's a level where we all just kind of take our hearts off and just get on with our lives. Do you know what I mean? Like, regardless of whether it makes sense. So whether you're, whether you're atheist or Christian, like, um, or, or any other religion, it comes about, it comes to a point that um, even though you could call it like primitive uh, desires and fulfillment of primitive desires or whatever, I think, yeah, I think we are still kind of bound by our, whether it was given to us by God or evolution, either way, we, we have these impulses and desires as a species to fulfill. And I don't think any amount of religion or existentialism can really solve those basic necessities. I think sometimes it can make it harder to find meaning because I think um, people kind of always conflate meaning with happiness and, and that joy with happiness and things like that. And it, it's like, sometimes it's not even the case. Sometimes I'm most content. And again, another word content is happiness content. Uh, this is what I'm saying, like, what what is meaning? Everybody might have a different idea of what meaning is. But like I mentioned, the dog, for example, if you give a dog a walk, give it a good meal and a cuddle, look at it, it's knocked out, it's chilling. It's like, does that does that dog have meaning? Did he have to rationalise its own existence for it to find meaning? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, but um, uh, I, I think there's when you say that people go about their lives as happy individuals uh, with... Even us, uh, you most of the time taking uh, their thinking hats, uh, caps on. Uh, I think that's uh, the a real problem in the world right now because uh, a lot of people ignore philosophy in their lives. They ignore ha- uh, the uh, the answers to meaning, purpose, and that is usually why they uh, they they come into uh, psychological problems that aren't actually uh, medical, but are simply the fact that. Uh, as uh, uh, normal thinking human beings, they need to find answers to these to the to these questions. And for example, uh, th- simply the question of uh, finding wh- what you hold, what should I hold uh, most valuable in my life, or or lo- or what is most m- what is meaningful, what is my purpose? Th- those are actually very essential questions to actually uh, help people who. Who struggle with depression or or struggle with uh, uh, psychological uh, problems, but I I, I do not uh, I don't um, uh, necessarily say that that every that uh, there are there are medical condition there are no medical conditions that are affected by any biological factors, but I think that it's an it's essential for 
any human being, even uh, however indifferent they are to the philosophical inquiries, for them to be able to at least uh, provide an answer to uh, very essential human uh, needs or questions that have to be answered, you know? Mm, no, I hear where you're coming from. Um, I think um, you, you're obviously talking about um, if people have psychological issues that aren't necessarily biological. Um, I, I get the impression you're referring to, like, say, there's a lot of issues with depression and things like that. Um, I think one of the reasons that's occurred is, like I mentioned before, that um, our natural instincts and desires have been exploited and in, in works into a modern, like, often referred to as capitalist, but not necessarily capitalist, but just as functioning economical kind of state rather than you know uh, it's it's almost like the only reason we have to intervene with philosophy is because our natural um desires have been exploited if, if it wasn't for the fact you know say for example if you is in a tribe in the jungle um you might not need existential philosophy because you'd see the stars every night you'd hear the sound of the birds tweet and you wouldn't have a guy making you wear a tie getting on the bus going to, you know what i mean it's like even though they're not biological, things like depression are affected by chemical reactions in your brain and chemical reactions in your brain are affected by a number of things to do with what you think about, what you talk about, what you listen to, what you're wearing, like um, what kind of air you're breathing, what, what food you're eating, how much exercise you're doing. Like, all of these factors affect you chemically. And, and obviously you say biological, I think what you mean is a biological predisposition because even these chemical changes, they are still biological, but you're not predisposed to them. It's, it's external factors that are influencing them. So I think like it's at which point when because we uh, our instincts and intuitions have been exploited um, and we are no longer in what would have been our natural environment, we then almost have to intervene with philosophy to kind of readdress how we deal with these feelings and, and situations to try and correct this balance chemically in our mind. You know, like things like I mentioned before, like meditation is obviously one way, no matter circumstances, it's one way to at least try and escape for brief moments of time. So allow your chemicals, you know, it's quite, quite, this is why I was saying, like, I think the science and the spirituality kind of meet at certain points. It's because, like, um, obviously people talk about spirituality as in the, the way we relate to the universe and our awareness of each other and the value of, like, even, like, non-tangible things like love and justice and things we were talking about before. But I think um, even then it's, like, it's quite scientific. If somebody's angry and commits a crime, that could be to do with, like, very, very worldly circumstances that if they was either not trapped in those worldly circumstances or like you said about the importance of philosophy if they would have used perhaps some philosophical reasonings whether it be spiritual or scientific like kind of methods like you can actually bring yourself down and find like not necessarily this is why i say like i think it's a touchy term using the word meaning because people conflate it with happiness and happiness is also a chemical reaction do you know what i mean so it's like are you then kind of coming to the conclusion that meaning is a chemical thing as opposed to a, a philosophical or spiritual do you know what i mean mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, I am glad that you mentioned uh, the capitalist world because um, I think that there's a growing uh, a growing movement where humans are actually dehumanized and turned into these robots who have actually just simply have to fit into the the system. And we have actually um, already uh, uh, have studies of this during the industrial age uh, or revolution where. Uh, humans uh, have been uh, have have gone through this process and and uh, it's it's a sad thing that it's still occurring in this world and it's still a growing problem and the 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 human the present human condition still has to resort to 
inhumane methods in order to produce more and more so to sustain itself uh, as a, a living uh, society or civilization and and the, the and the 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 real uh, solution to, to this would be simply to advance our own technology to the point that um, uh, production of resources would be would be come to a uh, uh, all sufficiency and human production would actually or human resources would actually be unnecessary in the process and uh, but uh, I think that that's still far away from the goal and so currently the only way we could uh, uh, we could survive if we, for example if I was a a father and I had f 10 children or even just five and ha have a family to support I would have no choice but to work in in inhumane conditions with very hardworking and very poor uh, circumstances the only the only way I would reason to myself why I'm doing this uh, this and not just leave my family altogether is that uh, it is to cling to these non-tangible uh, reasons for example because of love because I'm a good of goodness of being of of duty. duty yeah exactly and uh that's why i think that it's really essential for philosophy to resonate or to be be a part of everyone's life because of of this necess necessity and uh it's actually a good utilitarian tool for humanity to keep moving forward for it to progress to reach uh uh, a present uh, or a current state where scarcity is no longer a problem yeah mm. i feel like, like what you're talking is about a, a, a very um potential potentially realistic way of dealing with um the overconsumption of resources and exploitation of labor if we can figure out technologies of uh you know, non-consumable -consumab energies and find of uh, ways and means uh, of mass production without, like you say, exploiting people in, because what happens, um, I think a lot of it is to do with personal awareness. Um, because if, say, for example, the people are buying phones or clothes that are made or built by people um, that aren't being paid properly or aren't being looked after, if you can't see it with your own eyes, then it's almost like it's not happening. Even if there is a small awareness, even if you know deep down, it's like, it's like, so we, we all contribute to, well, not so we all, but speaking, you know, generally humans in general, even in what people consider themselves to be in the advanced world, it's, it's more of an illusion of an advancement because you're just exploiting other people's poverty. Do you know what I mean? It's just like putting icing over a burnt cake a little bit. It just seems nice on the outside, but really, um, even what people refer to as advanced civilization is probably some of the most corrupt and regressive. Do you know what I mean? So. I think um, yeah, what you're saying is is probably the more realistic, practical way of dealing with that. But the problem is, um, you know, we kind of stepping off, stepping off in a different branch of uh, philosophy. But it comes down to like uh, the people. I know, like I wouldn't limit it to capitalism because capitalism, like, is the main guise of it. But it can be in many of political structure, uh, the exploitation of people and resource. But I think um, you know, it's uh, a <clears throat> it's it's kind of owned and run by people who who don't have the sense of empathy or care but what i'm saying is how can you necessarily expect them to care that much when if you as a consumer are allowing it to be do you know what i mean like the the people who make sales 
are only motivate, motivated by money for themselves. They're not necessarily thinking about uh, the future or the people who are suffering or the, the resources that are being wasted. And it's like, it's like quite, it's, it's reflective of the human condition. Say for example, if somebody's addicted to smoking, they know about the, the real like, like immediate effects that can have on their health, but they continue to do it anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's like, there's lots of things um, could talk about the environment in the same way, like people using fossil fuels and we're aware as a society that, I mean, obviously people disagree to this, but typically speaking, scientifically and in the world, we understand that the rate in which we're using energy and affecting our environment is quite harmful, but we continue, we just carry on. We like, I could have this conversation with you right now, then I could go and get in the car and drive a car about, do you know what I mean? So it's like, uh, where does the book fall? It's like, can we really blame, you know, obviously everyone, you say punch up, so everyone points the finger upwards, but really should you not, you know, should people not be pointing the finger at themselves and making the immediate change, which would then, which would then have a knock on effect. And if you boycott a certain market or product, the ones who want your money are going to have to appeal to you by finding a more ethical way and a more ethical solution. Because I think some of the solutions that you suggested probably could, could already have been implemented, but because people who um, say these philosophical kind of mentalities, people um, find it hard to find themselves in positions of power because to find yourself in a position of power, often you have to be a little bit ruthless. And um, obviously, if you are a contemplative person who's considerate and caring, you are less likely to make decisions in your life that will put you in a position where you have the influence to change these things in the first place. It's almost like um, power is a byproduct of evil. Do you know what I mean? Unfortunately, like in the more literal, political, and you know, kind of sense, not necessarily like obviously power is another non-tangible in, it in a way, but um, in the literal sense, uh, yeah, power power comes hand in hand with corruption because if the same way, if uh, if there's no referee, um, people are going to be cutting corners, and if you want to be honest and virtuous and go, no, I won't cut the corners, it just means you're finishing last. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, I think that is why uh, you, 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 when you said that uh, society should be pointing fingers at themselves, it's that um, society in, it, in itself with its ignorance is unknowingly creating its own social deviance. And that is why, for example, uh, movies or people or, or characters like the Joker or the the anarchist uh, characters like the, the from the movie V for Vendetta are very are very influential when it comes to those who are actually victims of or in the condition or the poor conditions of a capitalist or any political uh, uh, economical structure because um, uh, they are they are they are actually uh, for example. Um, continuously being formed by the society, uh, by every every member of the society, unknowingly. For example, even if I myself, uh, as you, uh, uh, I myself in this uh, living in my in my own country, when I, for example, purchase simply a straw, it a straw and and, and that is my personal decision, and not just having. Uh, drinking on uh, on a uh, uh, on a simple cup is uh, choo- simply choosing that already has ripple effects in all of society and accounting uh, the collective rip small uh, ripples is actually simply uh, it's all of society to f- to blame for the social problems even the 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 ones who are in power are simply reacting to the conditions already presetted 
or presets but that are set by the population the majority of the population because uh, essentially it's the it's economy who is the supply and demand who is dictating uh, who who is in power and who isn't because uh, if you produce something valuable to the society uh, society will reward that with uh, with buying your product and so you will you as a producer will have that power but if society never actually chose to purchase your your, your product uh, that is uh, you would ha never have be in that position so uh, we in a sense uh, as a collective give these uh, power powerful people these uh, or these producers their their power so it's a uh, when we when you when we say that who's to blame I think everyone is to blame and and I, I don't know if we can quantify blame but I think it's a shared responsibility and and whatever is happening in the world uh, you should have you should have a an a proactive action towards making it a better world. Mm. It's it's true and I would obviously agree with that. But it's uh, given the topic of existentialism you would come back to the word should like based on what's the you know to have a should usually have a comparison or a baseline or something that you could prove that works or has worked, you know. Why should we necessarily like? Why is it that everybody should assume some kind of accountability? Like personally, I I I think so, but you know I've come to those decisions subjectively. Do you know what I mean? So this is what I'm saying about the non-tangible thing. It's almost to say we should. It's almost like a non-tangible thing. Accountability is not a tangible thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean I want to go back to say that kind of in a way relates to free will. It's like are we just consequences of our condition or do we have a conscious ability to intervene with our circumstance and outcome of things you know what i mean but um i remember speaking about free will with a christian friend of mine and he said uh made an interesting point that i kind of liked and it kind of made me consider it in a different way than i used to he said say for example um is it your free will to choose to eat this piece of chocolate and then obviously i was well well yeah and he says but was it your free will to have receptors in your tongue that reward your brain for eating that chocolate. Do you know what I mean? It's like um, the choices that are, even though they're not, they're not set in stone, they're pre you're predisposed to uh, act and think in certain ways. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. So um, I, I, uh, it's, it's almost an hour now and it's been awesome talking to you, uh, Martin. And uh, I want to ask you one last question uh, before we end is, um, well, knowing that uh, we as humans actually sometimes uh, have this bliss in order to continue living as normal human beings with our deep understanding of the universe and um, uh, how would you as an individual choose to make a difference in the world like in your own sense yeah, well, I mean, what what you're referring to as bliss, I wouldn't necessarily consider it bliss because that usually assumes a level of pleasant complacency. Um, I would more put it in some senses, you come to a certain level of awareness that almost because of what little you know, and you've, you've explained um, a couple of things they're saying a deep understanding of, but from my experience, the deeper I understand something. Yeah, I was saying so basically, um, I feel like it's a little bit like... Um, I wouldn't necessarily refer to it as a sense of bliss. Sometimes almost 
a level of humility of realization that no matter how much time and thought and consideration and research and education you receive, it's it's just you will never ever know enough. So it's like it's almost a level of acceptance and humility to understand that there is other you know things about existence beyond applying um, you know a structured articulated meaning you don't need to necessarily put it in a box it could be something meaning can be like the moment you stood on you know we stood in, in the trees and wind blowing through air and you experience existence in that moment and that could be the closest you ever come to what you might portray as meaning do you know what i mean so i think i wouldn't necessarily limit it to say that it means that people have to accept a level of ignorance it's it's like we are already ignorant uh to inevitably we're inevitably ignorant and i think it's accepting that do you know what i mean it's not just choosing to be it's it's a being aware that we are almost but um and you said about what we can do about that um i would personally say like i said before you mentioned the straw i just think stop choosing the straw kind of thing do you know what i mean we can all make tiny little impacts and influence our immediate people around us will learn from the uh we will influence those who will influence their immediate environment and so on. And I think that's how standards are set by uh, people's personal examples. So I think, uh, you know, you can, you can, um, you could be an activist, of course, that's always a good thing, but I think starting at home, your first daily life decisions is what is the most immediate thing that anybody can do. If you consider something to be unjust, um, do your best to stop taking part of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, you said it brother and, uh, thank you so much for being on my show, and I hope you get just some again someday. Yeah, and we can talk about. Yeah, it's been really interesting, and uh, really got to speak to. I'll check out some more of your shows, and hopefully we can chat again. It feels like uh, on topics like this, an hour is never enough. Is it? You go, you start opening doors, and so yeah, maybe we can pick okay. up again another time. Okay, we're ending in one, two, and. So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please, please follow this. Please. Thanks. Thank you.